What's up, you guys? I'm your host, Michael Swoboda, and this is the Average Alaskan Podcast, the show where we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of Alaskan outdoors and life here in Alaska. Finally joined, blessed once again by the company of our amazing co-host, Mr. Sean Love. Hey, what's up, guys? It's been a few weeks. Life's been crazy, and we're finally back in the saddle. So that's a plus. It's been what... You've been freaking running like crazy last month or so. It's been yeah. three, four weeks. It's been nonstop. Man. <laughs> <laughs> We've been plugging along. and So finally getting back back in the swing of things. Everything's starting to warm up here. We're getting antsy. And uh, I know it was only fitting. Our last episode, I did a little monologue by myself telling you all kind of the state of the podcast, what we're going to do moving forward and stuff. And in natural fashion, uh, we proceeded to not release an episode that week after uh, telling you I would. Uh, But (laughs) in that address as well, we talked about us shifting our schedule around a little bit to accommodate for us as well as to accommodate for y'all. And that's what this transition period is right now. So you will be hearing this in a few days, and then this will be our recording schedule from here on forward. So... Hopefully, God willing, uh, you'll get an episode every week. But life is what life is, and so if you miss one, I'm sorry. We'll try and do better. But, uh, you know, we do it for free for you guys, so there's going to be occasions where we can't quite fill up those spots due to life and all that fun stuff. But we will promise to reward you on the back end with information, some bonus episodes here and there, and just all around amazing fun time content for y'all. Fun times. Fun times have by all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got some catching up to do because we haven't caught up all that much lately. We've been doing some stuff, and we're going to get y'all all up to speed on that and uh, going to cover a bunch of fun stuff this episode. So uh, listen all the way through to the end to find out about all that fun jazz. But uh, before we dive in, just want to thank every single one of y'all for listening, for supporting us, for leaving your likes, your reviews, your comments, and all that awesome stuff. And if you're one of the listeners that didn't do that, shame on you. Shame Uh, on you. Bad, bad, bad. Um, Just kidding. You still have a chance. And I'm going to tell you how and where you can do that right now. Uh, If you want to get a hold of either of us directly, which I think is the best way, it's not the best way for the algorithm to expand the show and all that but i like hearing from y'all and i like responding to y'all and i like you know talking hunting talking gear and planning stuff out with y'all so if you're interested in that you can reach me personally at michael underscore swoboda on instagram as well as our instagram page for the podcast average underscore alaskan underscore podcast and you can reach mr sean love at sean underscore l-u-v And that's how you can find us directly. If you're interested in leaving a like, a review, any of that stuff for the podcast, uh, the easiest way is over on Spotify. Uh, Spotify is leading the way in all the podcast world. They have just recently bought out Anchor, uh, which was the podcast um, distributor, if you would, that uh, we used. And so now we are encompassed under the Spotify umbrella, which makes our life a little easier, as well as y'all's. A few less hoops to jump through if you're following links. So that's cool. Uh, Hit that five star on Spotify. Feel free to leave us uh, a review or a comment. It helps push the show out to more people. Um, And just 
you know, it's nice to get the feedback from you guys. Uh, definitely the most effective way is just to message us. I mean, earlier this week helped out three different individuals with their upcoming uh, hunts in Alaska. So, you know, it's basically a free Alaska hunting consultant, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, basically. Yeah. So take advantage of that because I'm generous and grateful to help you out. So if you've got questions, I'll do my best to answer them. Can't promise you that they'll be the best answers or I don't know. I, I, I can't promise anything, but I can promise you that I'll help you out. And that's more than a lot of people will do. So, uh, yeah. Shoot us a message. We enjoy free. It. Exactly. Free. Favorite four-letter word. Yeah. Not much of that floating around the world these days. No, so uh, not even <laughs> if you want of. some free shit, hit us up. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I got a fox hide and a skull. I need to get out of the freezer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody want a, a red fox came off of Kodiak Island? I think that's illegal for me to uh, say and ask that. But uh, You can donate them, can't you? I have no idea. Yeah, let's avoid that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come up here, and I'll just give it to you. It'll fall out of my freezer, and you can pick it up. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a loop. I was throwing it away anyway. <laughs> exactly. Um, now I do need to get those addressed, though. I need to open up some freezers. Dude, no shit. Well, it's spring's coming, and we've been trying to thin out the freezer as much as possible. Yeah, we've been just grinding through last year's salmon. <laughs> So yeah, we still got a good bit of that in the freezer. We need to start eating, but we uh, never smoke salmon right away. It's always like mm, let's smoke last year's salmon. I think, yeah, that's a way that to do it. Good. It's gonna taste good regardless. Might as well just use up the old shit. Yeah. So that's usually our move is smoke up last year's salmon if whatever we have left over and smoke any other meats, return it to jerky or whatever, and kind of make do. Heck yeah! No, we got couple of those big chiefs now gonna try and increase our uh smoking capacity this this year but. yeah get a couple of those uh what are they kitchen quality sanitary buckets oh a yeah five gallon buckets for you brian brine them up just endless smoke smoke the shit out of them yeah i was just telling jordan that fucking couple days ago what oh, yesterday I don't know. But yeah, getting some of those food grade totes just for, because we're meal prepping food for the week and stuff, and it'd just be nice to be able to cook everything, put them in a food grade safe container, get them out of the way, and then just, you know, conveyor line for making breakfast burritos. Just scoop, Dude. scoop, scoop. Yeah. Wrap them up. <laughs> yeah, we did them for a while. We did breakfast burritos for, well, for a couple of months. We just throw them in the freezer. Just had it looked like stacked cordwood in the freezer. Just breakfast burritos. Dude, that's the way to do it. You just pull one out in the morning, you know, pull one out the thaw the night before, take that one to work, take the old one or take another one out of the freezer, let it thaw for the next day. Perfect. Mm-hmm. No, I'm so excited for that. Those good, are good part of the routine. Bussin' breakfast. Bussin'. <laughs> Got those free range homegrown eggs. Got some free range salmon Sean moose in there as well. Um, what else we got in there? A little bit of bacon. That's, uh, from the store. Uh, some potatoes also from the store. Kirkland. Uh, yeah. Some, some Kirkland. Free range Kirkland. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, threw some peppers in there as well. A little bit of hot sauce and a squirt of sour cream. Wrap mm. it all together. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Can't beat it. But, uh, anyways, what the hell have you been up to lately? You Fuck. Have- I haven't been on here since I went to training in Palmer. Yeah, because you, you were gone for that, and I think that's when I sat down um, with old old-time friend of mine down in Texas, uh, talked some real estate, talked some whitetail hunting, 
Um, and then the last episode you missed out was uh, the one I kind of had to throw together and uh, do that monologue. That was fun. Just, you know, working on talking to myself for 45 minutes. It gives you time to reflect. Oh, yeah. Dude. We were doing a bunch <laughs> of awkward silence training. It was fun. I just took every opportunity of dead air and just drug it out. I was, to- <laughs> like, uh, I was like, um, this is for you and me. <laughs> we, have to, we have to work on this. Everybody enjoy the silence. Mm-hmm. Just like that. But yeah, so it hasn't been since when did a, a pump class up in Palmer learn about pumps and pumping shit. <laughs> There's no good way to put it. Pumping different fluids and things, different kind of impellers you could use to pump rags that don't get ragged up because you know, you've seen the raggage. It happens. Oh, yeah. There's some gross raggage that goes through these pumps <laughs> but it's it was kind of a grueling class we learned about pump curves and did math and shit but it was fun going to palmer is fun totally different place than down here in the peninsula it is night and day i yeah. mean flat 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 between two mountain ranges it is flat flat it is the valley yeah the valley up there it grows super, good weed but super fucking flat. cool <laughs> super cool uh, get the little picture of the water tower up there that everybody takes pictures of. There's a picture of the water tower, and we got a picture of the tiny water tower in front of the big water tower. Anyways, tourist stuff you do. Heck yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. We got to make it up there. Uh, I think they do it in Palmer, but for the 4th of July when they just yeet all the cars off the cliff. Dude, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good one. Sign my Audi up. But <laughs> 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 uh. Average Alaskan decal on the side. Dude, that thing would eject all the way to the other side. (laughs) Ghost ride that son of a gun. The turbo would just be... (laughs) Just mob off the other side of the cliff. We got to make it up there for that. Yeah, that's cool. It's cool because we don't do anything down here for the 4th of July. That's the strangest thing because you can't do a fireworks show because it's just light outside yeah <laughs> which love that it's light outside speaking of that freaking last night it was still light here till like darn near nine thirty. yeah it was so was nice like, dude bro yes we went and walked the dog and shit i was like i could get used to this summertime is real right? <laughs> it does exist the the eight foot snow berm still exists though which is kind of the fucking- huge bummy it's gonna be there till the next snow <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> Might never see that Buick again. <laughs> Yo, you better clean the snow off the roof of that Buick. <laughs> Dude, I was going to do it right before we got that last little freak storm because I was like, man, all the snow's melting off. This will be nice. I can just knock it off. And then literally that next morning, open my door to fresh nine inches of snow. And I was like, oh, fuck. Big L. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, was not expecting that. Me and Ralph were bullshitting at work because he was on call and. He was like, what's the weather supposed to be like? Uh, I was like, uh, call him for some snow, but it called for snow that same day. Um, and, you know, we got like a quarter inch and then mm-hmm. warmed up, melted it all. We're like, ah, nothing to worry about. Open the door. W- woke up. First thing I noticed was like some snow flurries and some like ice on the windows. And I was like, oh, must have got a little snow and it was windy last night. All right. But yeah, opened the door, just complete white out, already, you know, seven to eight inches. And I was like, oh, fuck. I, did, I made it to work, but I barely made it out of my driveway in my little car. Yeah. I was like, I was snow plowing <laughs> all the way out of my driveway. Yeah, because y'all have got a long driveway. You don't have any grade to it, but you've got eight inches to go for 200 yards. Like, I'm going to be pushing some, some snow Throttle at some point. out. My car's like four inches off the ground. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I just lined up for my driveway because I've got the opposite problem. I got a short driveway, but the bitch is steep. <laughs> and I just threw her in four high and just pinned it. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was like, I got one shot to get out of here for so. sure. I was like, I'm for sure gonna have to go get Michael today. <laughs> <laughs> but we made her, so that was that was good. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully that's the last big dump. I'm sure we'll get one more good dump. But at this point of the year, usually. It'll, it's only a nuisance for like two days because by the time it's plowed off, sun hits it, it's gone. Roads yeah. are clear again. Like we're at the nice, we're at the point of the year where you can pretty much drive Anchorage to Homer without checking the weather. Mm-hmm. Maybe check the pass if the weather's a little swirly, like this last weekend. Uh, reason you guys didn't get an episode last week. I'm sorry, I warned you. Uh, but I went down to Colorado and then eventually up to South Dakota for a bachelor party for longtime friends and roommates of mine uh, down in South Dakota. So got to meet up with them for the first time since uh, COVID and pass was a little squirrely. Going up wasn't bad, but coming back, it was like right after uh, Homer got a good dumping. Nothing up in Anchorage, but the pass was pretty squirrely, but wasn't too bad. I thought it was going to be worse. The shuttle driver from the airport told me it was white knuckle driving the whole way. They just had somebody come up, and I was like, great. This you is know, awesome. I've got Sick. work at 6 and land in Anchorage at midnight. Got a four- to f- six-hour drive, depending on the roads, and I was like, this is going to be a long day. Yeah. But we made her pretty good. The roads weren't the issue. It was the staying awake that turned out to be the issue. But thought I was going to have to uh, pull over and take a nap in Soldatna. But then uh realized that I had just sucked all the air out of the car, So, uh, <laughs> which we discussed the next day at work. Uh, <laughs> it's real life. Yeah. Well, we use the gas meters all the time at work. And you turn them on, you throw them down in the seat, and make sure they're running. And so it just went off for some reason. What? What the hell's going on here? Rolled down the windows and it immediately stopped going off. We're like, I guess this is real life. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. could suck the oxygen out of your car. <laughs> yep, they're, they're sealed up pretty tight nowadays. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I stopped there, grabbed a water bottle, and just got out and walked a little bit. And it was, you know, night and day. You just get adequate oxygen in your blood again. And you're like, oh, we're good. Powered through. And But that was a good trip. It was a good time. We flew down, drove up. So let's see. It was the day you got. You left work a little early. You were sick. Uh, finished off work. Came here, showered real quick, hopped in the car, got up to Anchorage. Flew out of Anchorage at like 11.30, midnight, something like that. I think it was midnight. I think it got pushed back a little bit. Um, but had a direct flight into Denver, which was nice. Was able to just kind of close my eyes and sleep through that flight. Got to Denver at like 7 in the morning. Got picked up by one of my other roommates. And then we drove up, met up with another portion of our party, just like two hours north in a different part of Colorado. And then we convoyed up north another five hours or so to Deadwood, South Dakota. We had kind of some hurdles to jump when we got there because earlier that week we had a nice lodge uh, reserved there in Dead or in Leeds, South Dakota, which is the nearest little town outside of Deadwood. It's got a ski resort, nice little spot. We'd done a senior uh, spring break trip there our senior year. I booked us a lodge there, and we really enjoyed that whole setup. So we tried to do that again, but uh, three days before we were all supposed to end up there, there was a roof leak, and the landlord uh, canceled our reservation and you know told us to find other options, which – 
Deadwood, their busiest weekend of the year is St. Patrick's Day weekend, which that's what we were there for, and finding a place to, you know, accommodate 10, 12 people. Very slim at that point. You know, week, sure. of, week of bookings, not the best. It's like flights. You're going to pay an arm and a leg if you can get a flight or, you know, get a house. So we ended up having to stay in Sturgis, South Dakota, which is about 25, 30 minutes outside of Deadwood, which turned out to play out just about perfect. We saved some money on the place, got a nice place there um had to you know work around getting to and from deadwood because there's not much going on in sturgis when the biker rally's not going on so um we'd either carpool taxi back or a couple days we lucked out and there was a like a shuttle running to and from kind of party bus style which was nice and just drink your whole way to deadwood and then that's amazing <laughs> continue to drink there and then drink your way back um but it was it was a good time didn't lose too much money in the casinos which was nice thought that was going to be a big issue um which it <laughs> normally is <laughs> but no, it was good I, I mean we definitely uh helped pay the electric bill between our group um but that is kind of the way casinos are designed the house always wins and uh mm. we never learn but <laughs> it's fun though oh yeah hell yeah i learned how to play uh uh ultimate texas hold'em uh which is a table game that i never played before hmm. uh which is now my new favorite table game used to be a big blackjack guy still enjoy it but uh ultimate hold'em on the tables really fun basically just playing texas hold'em against the dealer and only against the dealer mm. which is cool and mm. different side bets and stuff and it was a you know it was one of those games you could sit down with two hundred bucks and milk that two hundred bucks for eight plus hours if you want and just drink comp drinks all night which was pretty much my my game plan for <laughs> most That's of the good. trip. I'm gonna sit right here so you just keep coming by every twenty minutes and I'm gonna need a new one. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But met some cool people, did some business dealings there at the table, which was always fun. You know, handed out some business cards and whatnot. So always working on that networking stuff but it was it was a grand old time i hadn't seen you know those boys you know we lived together for four years and you know kind of had the our book slammed shut on us and never got our proper goodbyes so we got got this trip under our belt we'll be going down to the wedding in may for cinco de mayo uh, we kind of try and line all of our uh, holidays up with drinking holidays <laughs> <laughs> That's a good excuse. <laughs> you know, exactly. One in a row. But St. Patrick's Day, you got to drink a couple green beers. But <laughs> Drink it till it's green. <laughs> you know. and, uh, but it was a good trip. Work the next, uh, getting back was kind of a hassle. Flew. So we, my flight left Denver at like 5 p.m. on Sunday. And so, of course, we were out partying all Saturday night and cleaning up the house Saturday morning, trying to get all our shit together. Hopped in the car. Drove down, uh, drove through Wyoming, which was the first time I've been to Wyoming. Um, took us a different route, which was cool. Um, drove right through it. Oh yeah, I slept through most of it, trying to work the hangover off. Mm -hmm. But uh, but it was it was cool. It was flat and windy, really windy. <laughs> Did you know they have a um, Kellen, my buddy, I was driving up with. They have a weight requirement for the vehicles you can drive there during certain parts of the time. No shit. Yeah, due to the wind. Wild. And so his brother, he because he was worried about it because he's got he has a little uh, it's a nice car, new one of the nice little sedan cars, mm -hmm. you know, not a Honda Civic, not a whatever. Regardless, but we were kind of worried because his brother had gone up to like Cheyenne, 
month prior or something. He was driving a little Mini Cooper. They, Excuse me, guys. Uh, that is hooked up to Big the recording there. So a uh, little time stamp there for you. Uh, Miss Jordan Raymond tried to call me uh, right now. So uh, we'll, you'll probably hear the vibrations when she tries to call back uh, seven times in the next 30 <laughs> minutes. Uh, Had his little Mini Coop driving around. But, yeah, took his Mini Cooper up there, and a uh, state trooper stopped him at the border and told him he didn't meet the minimum weight requirement and that he was going to have to turn around because they had high wind warnings and stuff. And Holy shit. Same thing with, like, the tractor trailers. You know, they tip over because, you know, big, you know, sail in the wind out there. But apparently, same goes for small cars. And we were getting pushed all over the road, but, you know, didn't get stopped and turned around, which would have been a big L. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, we got 16 sandbags in the back of this bad boy. We totally meet the requirements. Exactly. Um, but got down, got into Denver like an hour before my flight was going to take off, which usually I'm, you know, they say be there two hours early, whatnot. I've gotten accustomed to flying out of Alaska where 45 minutes to an hour and a half tops and you've got plenty of time. Showed up, walked in the line to get to TSA legitimately I think had more people than the population of Homer. Wow. Like, the line was so ridiculously long. And I, at this point, I was already, you know, stressed for time. We got caught in traffic. Like, I knew I was going to be pushing the limits. Saw that line, and I was like, not a fucking chance. I'm going to go rebook my flight. <laughs> exactly. And I, I gave it a good college effort. One of the freaking scam people at Clear whatever. One of those subscriptions where you pay thousand dollars a year and you get a skip tsa and i was like fuck it if i get on this flight because i was like i've got to make it to work the next day and i didn't think there was any other flights uh so go to do that whatnot and she's doing her whole sales pitch and i look at the clock and i'm like i got like 20 minutes i was like not worth it i'm not i'm not signing up for your bullshit i'm just gonna go rebook my flight Get up there, talk to one of the service desk ladies. They're like, oh, yeah, we've got a direct. They shouldn't have any, like, shouldn't have a problem. You'll have a guaranteed seat. You know, bada bing, bada boom, boards in two hours. You got plenty of time. I was like, perfect, sweet. Go through all that. Go through TSA. Go get a freaking Jamba Juice or whatever. You know, do normal airport shit. <laughs> Jamba Juice and some kind of bullshit from Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like walking around. I was like, saw Jamba Juice. I was like, that sounds kind of healthy. Threw some, like, you know, whatever, scoop of their hangover medicine in there. And I was like, yo, can I get superfood green, superfood red, and some of that orange shit? Exactly. Um, so sit in line for that, get up to the gate. And when I rebooked my flight, the, you know, the gal, you know, assured me that, you know, I'm not on standby. Like, you've got to see guaranteed, whatever. I was like, sweet. I've never flown standby. I don't do it for a reason. And that's because if I'm flying, I need to be somewhere. I know I don't need to be there Sometime between today and three days from now, like I need to be there when I need to be there. Get up there, uh, see that I don't have a seat on my ticket. I was like, no sweat. I'll go talk to the lady. The lady there was just basically like, you might get a seat. And I was like, that's not the right fucking answer. Um, I was like, we're going to run this back a couple times. <laughs> um, but she was trying to be kind and all, but she was just kind of sticking to, well, that's not my job. I don't really care. Uh, go sit down and you might get a seat. And so sat there, stressed for a while, whatever. Luckily got a seat. You know, everything else went smooth. Luckily it was a direct flight back too, which was nice. It wasn't supposed to be on my first flight. But Did you get a window or an aisle? Uh, I got an aisle, which I prefer a window. Just I can't 
window, I can just fall asleep. Don't have to worry about nothing. Nobody's got to ask me to get up. Uh, but I wasn't bad. I was able to kind of sleep. I'm about an inch and a half too short to fit comfortably in any chair anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. So dangly feet. Gotta, you like, you sit on the toilet dangling your feet. <laughs> exactly. And so I was all, you know, I'm always like stretched out. Got a big like arch in my back trying to get comfy, trying to. And what I, the one thing that grinds my gears about the aisle seat is they come down that aisle with the cart no discretion taking out all knees and ankles on the way. elbow it's the elbow for me <laughs> dude and it's like you can i don't get just grab my knee move it out of the way for a second mm-hmm. doesn't bother me i'm asleep. if you jam the corner of that stainless steel fucking cart into the tip of my fucking <laughs> you know kneecap i'm gonna be cheesed off like like i don't care if you you have to grab my inner thigh to close my leg don't give a fuck i'm not gonna me to you i promise <laughs> Just don't <laughs> aggressively smash my knee that I've already you had fight rebuilt. with Delta with Southwest? Who you fight uh, with? That was with United. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just glad they didn't grab me by the throat and drag me off the motherfucker. <laughs> Move you by your throat. Oh, but that's it, funny shit. It was fun. We had the U uh, Alaska UAA. There we go. I was like, how do you? What's the UAA. acronym for the college? But their gymnastics team was flying back from nationals, so that was cool. Gal in the middle seat. She wasn't competing because she had just had her ACL reconstructed. But chatted the fat with her a little bit, talking about her knee, and then tried to try to sleep, listen to some podcasts, do the normal thing. But only got a couple hours of sleep. But all in all, it was a good trip. It was a nice little getaway. That's the biggest benefit to this uh, new job. Um, fucking time off which is Dude, 100%. unheard of in my line of work so that's awesome was able to do a cross-country trip on a weekend um the fucking bank account didn't like it but uh the serotonin levels were definitely there to yeah. counterbalance that a little bit <laughs> but and speaking of that uh we're recording this on a monday that uh we don't have to work thanks to uh, our lord and savior seward um <laughs> Bought Alaska, Alaska God. fucking whenever ago from Russia for like three half-eaten cheeseburgers. Uh, and so we don't have to go to work today. Half a pack of cigarettes, 80 bucks. <laughs> yep, and some seal skids. Called mm-hmm. it a fucking day. Um, so happy Alaska Day to everybody out there. Uh, like I said, you'll hear this a couple days afterwards, but uh, it's Alaska Day. And it's also the fucking anniversary of the big quake in 64. Did you know Holy that? cow, I had no idea. I didn't know it was on Alaska Day, but it... Uh, or. Honestly, I actually am just kind of making this shit up. Heard it on the radio earlier and Sounds right. only half listened to the beginning part. So, But it sounded like it was the anniversary of it because they were spitting it. You know, o- Only time the radio talks about anything is if it's like fucking National Pancake Day or National, you know, half the state fell into the earth day. Dude, shit like that. National <laughs> Hot Dog Day, big deal at work. <laughs> <laughs> it's Glizzy Day, guys. Gas station Glizzies. Anywho. <laughs> Yeah, it's Alaska Day, not Seward's Day. Oh, that's right. right. Seward's Day. So, yeah. It is Seward's Day, but they call it Alaska Day. Oh, gotcha. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Regardless, it's that day. It's that day. But, yeah, so uh, kiss all your kids. Be happy that you're not facing 100-foot tsunamis and uh, the Earth's crust opening up and fucking engulfing you, because that's terrifying. Dude, we talked about it at work. The the crust of the Earth just... Opening up your house, getting sucked in, and just closing back in on top the of your house. The wildest story. Like, I could be off on this, but I was told this story from a first uh, what, what would you call it? Uh, first hand. First hand experience from my future father in law, Mr. Paul Raymond. 
when he lived, because he lived through the big quake up here in Alaska, he was living in Kasilof, Alaska on a homestead. And one of their homestead neighbors died in the earthquake due to violent, literally, the, it's so hard to imagine it or even picture it in your head because I don't think there's any it's not real photo, life. like it's there's no photos life. there's no videos of anything like this happening because it's a super brief instance but it's when the earth's crust shifts opens creating essentially a massive sinkhole and then recloses which happened to this gentleman i think it was just him i think the rest of his family was gone at the time but him and like three quarters of his home uh, got engulfed by the earth and fucking GG's, bud. Like, you're, you're done. So, like, I really hope you die on impact in that situation and not just like asphyxiate like, inside your basement. Because I just, I don't, it's hard to grasp even what that would look like. Because to Paul's story, which I take the man's word for whatever he says, he's got an incredibly high IQ, certified genius, MD. Whole nine yards, and he got no reason to lie, you know, that type of that type of cat. So, you know, um, but yeah, just Earth's crust open, house and man disappear, Earth crust closed with little bits of house left. <laughs> it's like the front porch and part of the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever didn't make it before the fucking crust closed. Um, but that's terrifying. Yeah. And then the accounts of, you know, 100 foot plus tsunamis and stuff, just... You know, there's there are things you hear about from you know countries overseas or you know in uh, the archipelagos in Southeast Asia, shit like that. But you never see it on our soil. Just like war, you know, you, mm. war happens everywhere, but it doesn't happen here. See it in books and on the TV, exactly. And um, just knowing though that shit could happen at any moment, no heads up, no nothing, is freaky as hell. <laughs> But um, not a lot of places in America that have the kind of stuff because you know we're truly bring a fire here, yeah. which is amazing. The only other place like that's like California, parts of California, yep. which they also have catastrophic earthquakes back in the day. Mm-hmm. But nowadays they build things better and whatnot. But there's pictures of like over in Seward of the earthquake that happened, and it's just amazing. Whole roads fifty feet higher than they were, and the other half of the road fifty feet lower than it was, and the entire harbor's upside down. No. And just absolutely insane. Accounts of the whole ground look like it's a liquid moving back and forth in waves. Like no. that's just amazing. It earthquakes freak me out. Yeah, well they said it lasted nonstop for a little over four minutes of constant motion. They were saying that there was water moving so sloshing of water in natural waterways, so rivers, bays, estuaries, lakes, seen as far south as the Gulf of Mexico, Florida, and Texas. And then the earthquake itself was felt all the way down into California, Seattle, you know, places 1,500 miles away from the epicenter and stuff. And, like, our last big one was Anchorage two, three, four years ago now at a 7.2, which sounds really big, but... The magnitude scale is exponential, so the difference between a 7 and a 9 is like 250x, Um, and that one, no casualties or anything, but, I mean, major thoroughfares, I mean, like you said, one chunk of the road 10, 15 feet above the other chunk of the road that was connected 30 minutes ago. The IT guy, Tomas, Mm -hmm. he was driving to somewhere in South America, I believe, something like that, on vacation, driving to the airport. He got caught in the middle of the freeway 
where it split open. There's a picture of his car oh. sitting on the island in the crack, and he's I just know like, what picture <laughs> threw the keys in the seat, and he's like, I gotta go. <laughs> That's catching a plane and just left it. I mean, you can't move it. Nah. Wait, how are you gonna get it out of the, the hole it's in? It's like, well, here's the keys. <laughs> Someone takes it, they take it. <laughs> yep. Left. That's crazy. Yeah. No, earthquakes are insane. We were talking about that while we were down at Deadwood because it was when we had that little 5.0 here just outside of Homer. Shook, shook the town pretty good. Yeah, you know, not big enough to you know, cause any damage, but enough to fucking pucker your butt at the beginning. Yeah, especially when you work at the public works or something like that. You're like, that's going to cause a waterline break. Right. 100%. <laughs> so you're looking at the trends on the next day. And you're like, mm, seems to be fine. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that shit held. Mm-hmm. But if There's no other crazier power than... Earth moving and water. Yeah. The force of water and what it can do is just insane. Oh, ridiculous. And just stuff we can't fathom. Because that's something I didn't even think about until, you know, now working at Public Works. Like, yeah, earthquake happens. No big deal. Your home's still standing. Critical buried infrastructure. The, you know, you get a good earthquake. Shit's going to go sideways in yeah. a hurry. Yeah. And it doesn't take much. And then all of a sudden... You know, God forbid, whole town doesn't have water to act or access to water for, you know, X amount of time and shit like that. It's, that's a real deal fucking struggle right there. Yeah, (laughs) it's usually when we find earthquakes that pop is, or water lines pop is right after earthquakes, especially during the wintertime when the ground's hard. Yeah. So, and it has nowhere to go. And especially being here in Homer where the ground is so soft and so soupy. When you're looking down in manholes and infrastructure like hydrants and whatnot and valve cans, you can see that the hill is slowly sliding down. Yeah. So this say it was put in in early 80s, late 70s, and it's moved six inches downhill. You're like, why? Wow, I wonder what this does to people's homes and things like that. Yeah. And if an earthquake happens and it just... You never know. That's why bluff properties have always spooked the hell out of me. For sure. <laughs> oh, that's because I've told you the story. Jim, our cook on our boat, awesome guy, but he had a property on the Knick Arm heading out to Port McKenzie up in the valley. And on that 7.2 or 7.3 there in Anchorage, he lost 16 foot of property line because it was right there on the Knick Arm bluff. And all that just sloughed into the river. Sure. And it, <laughs> I was like, well. Um, do I still have to pay taxes on that? Um, and <laughs> the answer is yes. Yep, 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 <laughs> still do. Uh, it's kind of bullshit, but <laughs> but no, it's it's spooky. And that's you know, I was talking to my insurance agent the other day, and like I want to up my earthquake insurance just a touch for sure. Just because that'd be such an L. Oh, dude, <laughs> your house gets sucked in. You're like, well, I'm guessing. Moving to my parents' house. Yeah, because we just, we have so many of them. 90% of them, you know, you won't even feel. Which is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like the small ones. The small <laughs> exactly. ones are good. Yeah. You don't you don't want all that shit to build up and finally bust at one point. Yeah. Well, it's like that one that happened in Tonga, I believe. We even heard it here. Mm-hmm. Some people even claim to have felt it here. Yeah. Which is insane. I mean, the ocean's a wide open place. And a Water travels a lot of energy and blah, blah, blah. And sound travels over the ocean faster than anything else. There's nothing to stop it. And so I believe it. I believe that people heard it. No problem. But that's just insane. Oh, yeah. The power is amazing. Yeah. Phenomenal. Wild, wild shit. <laughs> but think about it. 1,500 feet of gravity from the water plant to the ocean. There's a lot of pipes right there and whatnot. And you, how many 
how many pisses? <laughs> <laughs> how many pisses? How many pisses of water, force, pressure coming down a hill? And if one of those fucking lines bust, you're talking fucking 300 psi shooting out. Especially Non-stop. some shit breaks in one of the stations or something. Yeah, let's Crazy. just uh, hope that shit. Let's not go. talk about that. Anymore. Yeah, let's, let's let's avoid. I'm gonna that. think. I'm gonna call, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna right. think about this for weeks. Oh, speaking of that, uh, I see some uh, snow flurries uh, falling outside right now. No, we don't talk about that. <laughs> Free call out, holiday call out, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Oh fuck. Speaking of PW, Steve Alaska, trying to give us uh, defined benefits. That's big talk right now. Yeah, going I, back. That's. I'm. Hmm. This is a good one. I How wanted to talk about this with you because I want to get your insight on it. So basically, sure. for those of you who don't don't know what defined benefits are or don't live in the state of Alaska and don't give a shit, uh, we're going to get you a little alert on this subject real quick. Um, so basically, we used to have defined benefits, and what that is is what most people will understand is like a pension fund. Uh, it's a more stable retirement system, which you need a lot more tax money for. And who you might know this date better than I did. Do you do you remember the time frame of when Homer w- went to a contribution based retirement? Oh, uh, we went to the f- the PERS, which is personal retirement. Teachers have TERS. Um, it was two thousand and seven, I believe. Gotcha. Right so before two thousand and eight, basically, last twenty years, it's gone to a contribution system, which most people in the private sector are familiar with, like a four hundred one k contribute match system. So yep. you put money in, your organization you work with puts money in, and that's your retirement fund. It relies on the market. It relies on the investments within that fund itself, a bunch of other stuff. But it takes less money because it's backed by your personal contributions and some from taxpayer contributions as well. But a defined system to my understanding is a lot more taxpayer money going into it, which gives you a lot better benefits, a lot more guaranteed. Cause usually the way pension will run it, they'll take a five year average of your top five earning years and you might get a multiplier on that. You might not. And then that is essentially your salary for your retirement, um, which is really nice. If you can, you know, if you're making 90K a year in your retirement, you know, your top five earning years, you're taking that as a retirement. And then if you're lucky enough to get a multiplier, which a lot of organizations do, so get, say, a one and a half or a 175, all of a sudden, you know, retirement at 120,000 a year, even if it's at a percentage of that, you know, talking a really good retirement, which is hard to do with a contribution match because if you're doing the normal 3% rule of withdrawal to withdraw $80,000 a year, you're going to have to have a 401k that's topping the 4 million range, which is, you know, hard to accrue into unless you're maxing it out every year with good investments and you started when you're young, it's going to be hard to hit that mark. So it's not really comparable. Um, But what a lot of, so the big talk right now is the reason they want to go to it is state employee retention has gone down. It's hard to mm-hmm. get people to work roles like we work now and get them to stick it out as a lifelong career. It was in December of last year of 2022, it was 11% of all public work positions were open. 
that's more than one in ten. Yeah. So one in ten of all, you know, DOT, all state positions. I mean, all troopers, you name it. They're all the same pension too. Open. So one in ten employees had an open job, yep. which is a lot. And it's tough because, as you know, my background's in business and business management. Turnover is your number one killer for a business because it's much more expensive to train a new employee, get them up to speed, get them all the shit they need, and hope they stay around than it is to pay an employee more or give them better benefits to stick around. Mm -hmm. But it gets squirrely at this level because it's all tax-based. Because since it's a, well, I shouldn't say all tax-based, but since it is a public position, they are... You know, it's you're working for the state, you're working for your municipality, you might mm-hmm. be working for your borough, whatever, you know, whatever level of government you're working for. You're working for a government agency where they get their money through tax dollars, whether it's grants, whether it's, you know, income tax, whatever, you know, way and means for your state or whatnot. That's how that money's there. And the estimation, like, it's, I hate getting information off of, TV or the radio, because I always feel like there's an inherent bias to it. 100%. Um, of course there is. But, like, all the comments I've heard on this so far, they're estimating if we went back to a defined benefits, it would increase, like, $9 billion. It basically costs the state $9 billion to go into a divine, defined benefits uh, status. And right now, I think... It's costing the state, I think they said like $2.6 billion for our current situation. And so it would be another $9 billion on top of that, rounding it up to like My question like is, 12 13 That's the percentage they're giving us in our 401k? Or is that the percentage they're giving us plus what's already out there? Because there are people very much still alive that are on um, what those called uh, tiers. They're in tiers before they went to PERS. Mm. Tier 1, 2, and 3. I think the current is number that total is, or is that because tier one, they still covered full insurance, full everything. Pension insurance was a Cadillac plan. Then the two was limited insurance, I believe, and pension. And three was no insurance pension. To my understanding, the numbers as they sit right now, all of like that 2.6 or 2.8 or whatever the existing number is, is what that's encompassing all retirement debt throughout the state up to this point. So that's all people who are still bought into the pension system that haven't retired yet. People that are still having their existing pension or insurance or whatever covered through their, you know, prior retirement, as well as the contributions towards the 401k match system okay. that we're in right now. My, the way I was, I was, cause once I heard that I was trying to boil it down into my head for like a one sentence question for it. Basically, cause it seems like if we did go back to a defined pension system or defined benefit system, the we'd have to instate either or both a state income tax and or a sales tax. And my guess, my short and sweet question would be, would it be worth it for you to go to a defined benefit system if it meant you had to pay income tax in Alaska for the rest of your life? That's a great question. And this is just devil's advocate just presenting the question to you. And 
I don't know necessarily if we have to do that because that's kind of what the fighting argument is on the opposing side. Mm-hmm. It's like you're no longer going to have a PFD. You're no longer going to have – you're going to have to have it, some kind of income tax is what they're saying. No PFD in income tax. I think the PFD is going to be there forever. Whether or not we have the whole thing is be a different story. That's a whole different topic on its own. Mm-hmm. That irritates me in the first place. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's a whole different can of worms that we can open. <laughs> Am I okay with an income tax? No, I think taxes, theft, end of story. And I'm a public worker, public servant. I'm, I'm a utility worker. Utility pays for all of our own its own stuff. Blah blah blah. Still gets taxed or still uses taxpayer money to do mm-hmm. improvements on infrastructure. Blah blah blah. But that being said. Uh, it's a hard pill to swallow because taxes are used for good things, but you're also entrusting the state of Alaska who has one of the worst balanced budgets in the nation in the nation <laughs> with more tax money. That's a good point. Cause, Cause what? what's the issue is that we don't have a balanced budget and we have our heads too far up our ass to figure it out. And we're going to ask for more and more and more and more and more money because that's what they're trying to get their hands on the PFD this whole time because they can't balance their budget. And so they're going to start axing stuff instead of figuring out what they got going on mm-hmm. instead of, you know. It's a classic more money fixes a problem yes. instead of addressing the problem. That Address the problem. Be, needs to be fixed. Then instead of addressing the problem, they're going to cover it up with more money. And then you turn into the California situation where you throw, you know, numerous billions and billions of dollars into fixing a problem that becomes in itself its own economy and you can't if you resolve the problem like take homelessness for instance oh shoot i forget what the numbers are but i think it was something like california contributed oh shoot it was an ungodly number i want to say something like it can't be that High. The number I want to say cannot be the right number, so I'm going to just refrain from saying it. But just billions on billions and billions of dollars into it, you don't see any effect. But you also see people sitting on the boards of those, you know, the homeless board or, you know, high-ranking positions within that industry that got, you know, built and constructed yeah. to solve an issue, bringing in six-figure incomes. You're never going to... Trying to solve an issue that makes you money. Exactly. And I feel like we'd run into that issue up here. But it's also, it's just, it's tricky because we're in such a deficit as it is. Like, like you mentioned, poor balance sheet in Alaska. It's just the way it is up here. Our main economic drivers are the oil field, fishing, and tourism. And only one of those brings in a ton of money, which is generally the oil field. But right now we're seeing massive decline in profits off of that. Yep. So we're losing money there. Massive it's regulation. only going to get worse. We're looking down the barrel of a massive recession. That means household cutbacks in a lot of things, especially the first thing to go, travel. Uh, we're a huge travel destination up here. The state's going to start seeing cutbacks on that revenue. And then the fishing industry has historically been strong. But, I mean, we're looking at the entire cook inlet being shut down for king salmon for in my opinion the foreseeable future i don't i don't think we'll ever see those openings again due to declining numbers um you see declining numbers in just about all the major commercial fisheries in alaska so you're seeing you know declined revenue there 
And I think the biggest roadblock that they're going to run into with this defined benefits issue is it's going to impact every Alaskan if it gets implemented, and it's only going to affect positively a handful of us. Like, me and you would personally benefit greatly from it. But... State of Alaska is one of the largest employers in the state of Alaska. Yeah. And so it, it would it would benefit a, a lot of people. Don't get me wrong with that. But it's going to be hard to sway the individuals, all the commercial fishermen, the oil field work. Everybody that's not in ties with the state, working for the state, to pay, say, a state income tax. Because one of the greatest benefits of living up here... You don't have to, you pay your federal taxes. You don't have to worry about state taxes. Certain municipalities, you don't have to pay sales tax. We used to be a municipality like that. Like there's huge benefits to living up here. But if all those get undercut just to help, you know, I'd like to have the hard numbers of what the percentage of Alaskans that work for the state. um, Because that would give, you know, a better picture of the overall benefits for it. It's just tough because, like, part of me, I'm like, hell yeah, I'd love to have a pension system. It would, if I had a system like that, I could hands down guarantee I'd try and work the position I have to retirement because it would be worth it at that point. At the current situation, it gives a lot of benefits, but I could see myself using it as a stepping stone to start my own thing or doing something. That's the issue. That's the issue we're fighting against. And that's another thing is... Say you aren't as young as you are, and you don't want to put in 30 years. If you're a 50-year-old guy or a 40-year-old guy, shoot even late 30s, and then you get onto a job like this. Is it really worth it? You're not going to have a full retirement. Even if you max it out, you're still not going to have enough time put in. And if you do, you're going to be in your late 60s by then. So it doesn't really make it worth it at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I wanted to talk to you on this just because you know we both personally have stake in it which you know inherently creates a bias but both of us are at the stage where you know we're not a thousand percent bought into the system we're not we haven't been there 10 plus years like we're neither of us truly see the long-term benefits of either situation right now and we've both worked in the public and private sector um and i just no, you're a nerd on numbers Dude, like I am. Seventeen percent of all teacher jobs were open in December of last year. Twenty twenty two. Seventeen percent. That's almost one in six. Something like that. It's almost one in five. But I think it's one in six, something like that. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Think about how many teachers are at the school. You know, say you have twenty teachers. It's two, three teachers gone. And I can tell you you know, both my parents being teachers, there's a lot more down the pipeline thinking the same thing. They're like, why the fuck am I doing this? And a lot of them are already, I mean, I remember my senior year of high school, you know, going on 10 or so years ago now, a lot of teachers were retiring then, and a lot of teachers were, the majority of the teaching demographic, at least here locally, are all on that, you know, one foot out the door already. Like, they're on the cusp of retirement, and... Most of them, unless it's truly their passion, they just want to stick it out to, you know, pass on information to the next generation, yabba, yabba, yabba. There's not really a benefit for them to stick around. The job can suck. Uh, The pay can suck. A lot of things about it can suck, and it's hard to retain individuals. I think there's an overall kind of marketing issue with this going on right now, because I think what it kind of boils down to 
is you've got to think about it as like critical infrastructure for the state. Absolutely. You know, not only is it, you know, because most of these jobs through the state, you know, almost every one of them is some form of infrastructure, whether it's roads and drainages, whether it's water and sewer, whether it's parks and rec, whether, you know, Cops. teaching, yeah, police force. Exactly. They're, they're things that aren't going to go away and can't go away to keep the way we live now but it's hard to when it comes down to like there's been a ton of salary increases for public figures in alaska that's been a big thing going on lately and personally every time i hear that i get jaded just because i'm like when we have all these other issues why do they need more money like why are we giving funds to an individual instead of the whole picture but i feel like if they you know, structured it as this is this is what keeps the state running. This is what keeps water in your house. This is what keeps your lights on. This is what keeps your streets safe. And yes, this won't be going directly to the infrastructure itself, but we're planning on trying to retain and improve the positions in which we hire to stick around for a life, you know, make a lifetime career and create industry professionals that supersede those around the, you know, other 49 states around, you know, if we, if we market it as trying to create the best public workforce in the Nate, you know, you know, you just, there's certain things you're not going to be able to, you're never going to be number one in everything. You can't yeah. just, that's, you know, life doesn't work that way. But if you can structure it and try and win the people over as, you know, we're trying to make our state have the best infrastructure that we can possibly give it, improving your life, you know, it might be in these small incremental changes, but in the long run, we will have the, you know, some of the best infrastructure in the nation. Our, you know, state has no excuse at this point to bring on less than proficient individuals that, you know, in the hiring pool and we're only going to strive for, you know, greatness. Then I feel like that's something people can get behind because right now the only thing on the, you know, side of benefit, I've heard plenty of argument for why it shouldn't go into effect, but all the stuff that, you know, is promoting it is mainly like it'll help retention, you know, employee retention. It'll give our employees better benefits, which is pretty up front like you look at it you hear yeah. it you're like yeah i get it that's what you're trying to do but that's not going to get people to vote on it no like you need some razzle dazzle to it you know you need some fluff like i i hate political fluff in everything like i think that's the bane of politics it should just be fucking facts and that's what you're talking about but in a situation like this there needs to be some you know forward looking kind of optimistic outcome to it it can't just sure. be everything i've seen is just like a fix it now this will help us hire this will help people stay around well and a lot of people don't recognize that when you work for the municipalities or we work for the state or whatever you're not making a ton of money like the private industry the private industry will make double yeah easily the reason why you make less money working for the municipality things like that is for benefits and for your pension and things like that. It's a it's a long term stable. If you look at it like as you've got a hundred bucks and you're trying to put it, you're trying to invest it. The state that's your fucking S and P five hundred ETF. You're just tracking the market. You're not going to make millions, 
but you know you're going to go when you go to the doctor you're not paying out of pocket when you finally fucking hang your hat up and want to retire there's going to be money in the account whereas the public sector you can go make a fuck ton more money you know probably it just there's a lot of benefits to the private sector but there's that you know you're throwing that 100 bucks into tesla it might fucking shoot up to 1800 bucks it could drop down to you know 500 bucks well if you think about it the same job we do i know for a fact like on military bases or in the private sector in general, like private water plants, they make double, if not triple. Yeah, I had an opportunity. One of our clients this fall that we, I've talked to you about, he was he was in the poop industry. You yep. know, all he did was basically pump septics, replace septics, and jet water lines, water yep. and sewer lines. And he offered me a position. He also offered one of our other guides who I believe took it, which good on you because, <laughs> I mean – Pretty sure he was starting out his employees at like fifty five an hour. Yeah, and I'll tell you right now, that's a hell of a lot more than a hell of a lot. <laughs> a hell of a lot. But you know, you you're responsible for your own retirement, yep. most likely your own insurance, all of that stuff. It's a trade, and a lot of people don't recognize that. A lot of people are like in the mindset of you don't deserve a cola because we don't get a cola out here in the private industry. Mm. But you're just going to raise your rates. Say you're an electrician or whatever. You're just going to raise your rates. Inflation goes up. You're just going to raise your rates yeah. like everybody else. We don't have that opportunity. That's why we get that cola. We're, we run differently than the private industry does. We're not going to make as much money, but it's going to pay for it in the back end. It's not a glamorous job by any means. A lot of the public sector or the, yeah, a lot of the public industry jobs suck. You know, you're going to run a grader all day long. It's not a glamorous job, but it's a good one. And, and someday it's going to pay off. Well, right now, a lot of people are like, "Why?" The f-? especially during the COVID thing, why the fuck would I do that job when I'm just going to, you know, fuck off and get COVID and blah, 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 and it's not worth it during the great uh, resignment or whatever they call um, that. Great resignation. Great resignation. I know tons of people that are like, this ain't fucking worth it. Yep. Fuck this. I'll go get a Zoom job and make double. You know, and you can. You fucking can. But in the same vein, you're... A public entity. You're not going to make as much, and that's why the defined benefits are there. No. Is to make sure you have something to go back to, because you don't have a lot to put in. No. And uh, this is just such a squirrely one, because it crosses so many, especially when it, because anything like this is inherently political. For like, sure. It deals with public employees, public tax dollars. Like, it's just so intertwined into politics, it's annoying. Um. Sorry, guys. Uh, dead airspace. Get used to it. Um, <laughs> uh, fuck, what was I going to say? It's a, it's a very hard topic because you're dealing with people's livelihoods and what they're going to do after what they do now. Yeah. You know what and I mean? where I was trying to get with that is it's so inherently political just because of the nature of, you know, everything we do in the U.S. Like I said, it it's deals with tax dollars, public employees, the whole fucking – it's. This is the definition of a political issue. And it's so easy to get it wrapped up into, you know, well, it's going to increase the deficit. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. Um, and it, you can just boil it down to, I was just chasing this fucking car and I was right there. And I was 
gone. Uh, I'll, I'll pull this together for you guys. Don't worry. Big brain working over here. Symbol chimp is just banging away. Uh, but if you can boil it down to looking at it as an investment, because like over the last probably 30 years, technical jobs like what we do now or any trades like a you know a true trade ship so pipe fitting metal work welding uh mechanic Dude, you know any of electricians exactly, any of your what most people would consider a blue collar job has gone by the wayside because there's so much tech influence there's so much money in different industries and it's hard to retain it's hard to convince an 18 year old to deal with poop mm-hmm. or deal with harsh conditions or deal with manual labor in general. Like yeah. there's a lot of things pulling people away from that, especially when in a case like this, the pay's not, you know, crazy. Your benefits are all right, but could be better. Like there's no drawing factor to it. And I think as a society, I think there needs to be a shift back to the middle. I'm not saying there needs to be an overcorrection to where, you know, blue collar trades are getting paid, you know, seven figures. That'd be fucking sick. You know, we wouldn't be sitting in the garage doing this. We'd have a fucking Joe Rogan. We wouldn't see that, man. That's the private industry. (laughs) Right. But there there needs to be an overall shift back towards, you know, promoting civil work, promoting just blue collar tradesmanship because it is the critical infrastructure infrastructure that backs this nation. It's the way roads are built. It's the way waterways are maintained. It's the way, you know, it's what allows us to have a pencil pushing job that can make you $10 million a year. Like, and not throw no shade at any of those careers. We need those too, but there needs to be an understanding that if you don't back the middle class or the, you know, if you don't back the true backbone to America, all it's going to do is weaken it. Just like your body. If you, you know, if you get fat and lazy, you're going to have more problems down the road. It might just be some knee pain here. Oh, I can't really move my shoulder like I used to. But you see that in roads. It's like, oh, well, this was, you know, it was nice when we were able to maintain these. Now there's fucking car-eating manholes everywhere. Or, you know, all of a sudden your water quality goes down. Or there's just too much strain on the electrical grid. Now you have to pay all these crazy, you know, surcharges for prime rates and stuff like that. And there's a lot of downstream effects that just kind of chip away and chip away. And if you don't back you know, the infrastructure behind it, I feel like all it's going to do is lead to more and more problems where Alaska finds its biggest issue is just, we have been in a deficit. We've been a a boom and bust economy since our creation. We've relied on the oil pipelines. Like we just opened up the Willow project, which has been causing all kinds of national fucking, you know, panty twisting. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to be a huge benefit to Alaska. Um, so personally, I'm, you know, my opinion's not completely formed on that, but I, at right now, I would support it. I think Alaska needs to generate money because you have to spend money to make money or to retain your money. And in, this is one of those cases where if this benefits package were to go through, 
it would make a job for the state or the city or whatever municipality you're you know working for worth it. It would make it a coveted position. I know personally, I know a ton of people that work this job, and I've seen lots of turnover since I've been in it. But I know people gone. They're doing whatever they're going to do now, just because. Why you're not going to get paid as much? Your four hundred and one k you're not going to add it up. I mean, it's exactly what it is. It's not worth it at the end of the day for them. Yeah, because that and that's my biggest issue with the current system. Four hundred and one k match, awesome, cool. Anytime you can, your employer gives you free money, which a match is, take it, take that shit. But it only benefits you if one, you have extra money to invest, which is the major barrier of retirement for a lot of individuals. Most Americans live paycheck to paycheck in some form. Even if you're making 300k a year, most people let lifestyle inflation catch up, and you might bring home, you know, six figures a year, and you still don't have a balance of over fifteen thousand in a savings account. Like, and if you don't have that, you can't really invest because you need free money. Not free, but you need liquid money to move it into an investment, and you can retire outside of a company 401k and have less restrictions than if you did do it in a, you know, governed 401k because there's certain asset classes you can't invest into. There's certain things you can't do with it and there's certain restrictions and most private sector jobs offer some form of retirement benefits. Usually it's a 401k with a kind of shitty match option, but it's still something and if you can make twice as much money and then just invest on your own, absolutely, all you're missing out on is basically health care benefits. What's well, the thing is they took away health care for those who retire. That the appreciation last year was just pension. It was no longer health care. Well, and we haven't even talked about pension keeping up with inflation. Yep. Someone who retired eight years ago, that money's not going nearly as far as it is today. That's covering their basic necessities. And hopefully they can, I don't you know, can you collect Social Security once you have a pension? Yeah, I think everybody's entitled to Social Security. I don't but know. I'm not, uh, I'm pretty sure you can, you, I think the only barrier know. for Social Security is if you make more than, I want to say 225000 a year, and then it, Rolls into some, you know, at that point it gets squirrely. There's so many numbers and money rolling around. I don't know. There's, that's a gray area. Because my dad was talking about it the other day, and I don't remember what he said about it. Because he has a pension through American Airlines, mm-hmm. a partial pension or whatever, through it. And I don't know if he can collect Social Security when he's old or not because of it. That's I don't a, know. That's a good I'll question. Because, I mean, not just, there's so many different, you know, <laughs> issues with anything like this. The American financial system is so squirrely, um, you know, to a lot of people's benefit, to a lot of people's not benefit. Um, But it is the way it is. I don't see any fucking change happening to that anytime soon. Uh, But I just, my question for you would be, if you had a magic wand and you could, you know, you make whatever legislation you want, how would you, how would you pass this and how would you, come up with the financial backing for it? Like, how would you pay for it? Big brain. All right, here we go. Legislative Sean. So say you got, you need 10 million or 10 billion to pull this off 
what actions would you put in place to, you know, just think of it, you've got a $10 billion loan, how are you going to pay that off in 30 time, 30 year time frame? Well, we can't cut healthcare benefits to those who already have it, who are retired and have it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at some point, those will go to the wayside. Those people will move on to the afterlife (laughs) (laughs) and no longer have that. So, and I think having healthcare is your responsibility at that point. Yes, you could have your pension, but now you should save in a 457 or a Roth or something like that for when you do retire, you do have money for healthcare. Or you can get healthcare through the government or however you want to do it. I think that's up to you. And defined benefits, you can always change it. It doesn't have to be exactly what it used to be. You know what I mean? You can change the rules and change how it works. So I think being able to manipulate that, you'll be able to cut some, not necessarily cut corners, but change it. Change it to where it could be better. You know, cost less money, blah, blah, blah. Or we pay into it for the people that are there, and it's a certain percentage match. I don't know how the numbers would work out for that. Say we put in money to it, which would also help cover costs for people that are already retired, and so there is a fund there. And that would also help, you know, we're going to pay for it. Some of the tax is going to pay for it. It's doable. So that way we don't have to have an income tax per se or something like that and figure out, I think the biggest deficit is the balance sheet. We're spending so much money. Just, you can have all these infrastructure packages. Who's going to work the jobs? You're going to hire out to the private industry. That's going to cost you double. There's no real fucking great answer. (laughs) I mean, I hate taxes. I think taxes theft 100%. But we have to have it at the end of the day. I mean, who's going to take care of the streets? People complain about, especially here, DOT not be able to get the roads plowed at 4 a.m. and have be able to get go to work. I mean, you do live in Alaska. I do get that. It does snow. In case you're wondering, you're going to be late to work. <laughs> yep. It happens. <laughs> but when they're shorthanded, five people, and they don't have competent hands that can run a plow, yeah, they can run a, a backhoe, maybe. You know, you have a lot of young people coming in that don't know how to run equipment. That takes experience. Where are they going to get experience from? And there's a big difference between being able to run, you know, a Ford F-250 with a V-plow on the front and running a grader. A grader with a thousand fucking levers in it and no <laughs> steering wheel anymore. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Is it possible to do without taxes? I think it could be. But it would take a lot, a lot of, of restructuring. A lot of restructuring. Yeah, because I've been, because I've been toying with the idea, and because I think state income tax, no, I that 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 would be my like line in the sand. I do not want a state income tax. Um, I think a you know standardized state sales tax is something that a lot more people would be on board with. A lot of people have issue with it because inherently it taxes the poor more harshly than those who make more. It's, you know, standard rate, but those at the, you know, higher pay scale, they have more liquid, you know, cash in hand. They can bear that cost a little better. 
Although I do think a state income tax, or I mean a state sales tax, is the least intrusive because uh, most, you know, most places in Alaska, or I shouldn't say that, I'm not 100% on that, but a good, a good majority of Alaska pays sales tax to some extent, whether it's seasonal, whether it's borough dependent. However, I think that's a pill everybody can swallow. That's not going to cover everything. I think there needs to be a lot of restructuring on the corporate tax system nationally, but also in state here, because most corporations you can, with a good team of financial individuals on your side, you can avoid paying a shit ton, whether it's through depreciation, whether you're, you know, reinvesting that, you know, liquid cash into a different asset that falls under different tax tax regulations, whatever it may be, you can avoid a lot of taxes. And the other one that I think would need to be addressed, there's a lot of loopholes for the oil industry in Alaska. It was set up there to bolster it because we are the largest oil producing state in the United States. You know, most of the crude in America comes from Alaska. You know, Texas is right up there with us. But so much of that money is able to leave state without being taxed, whether it's, you know, there was, that's one of the pushes for a state income tax is there's a lot of people who fly up into Alaska to do their hitches up on the North Slope, leave, and then they're taxed wherever they're at. There's a lot of people who have houses here that live up here during the summer or seven months and go work somewhere else or have a business somewhere else. And run everything through here just because it is no tax. Very similar with the fishing industry. A large majority of our large scale fishing are boats that are coming from the West Coast, whether it's Seattle, uh, northern parts of uh, California. There's a lot of transient work that comes through Alaska, and a lot of that money, a lot of that tax revenue is not captured, which I think that has got to be the first, first thing that gets addressed because it's the Alaska, it's an Alaskan resource. It's coming directly out of the pockets of Alaskans, and we're not seeing any benefit of it. And it's lessening jobs for individuals that want to get into that. Like, I think that's our biggest failure as a state right now is letting those tax revenue. Look. You make a great point. We may not realize this, but you just named two of the largest industries in Alaska, and the third being tourism which also has a massive amount of people that come from out of state and come work during the summer that don't get taxed, which leaves with untaxed money. You just named three, two of three largest industries in Alaska that we see boom and cycle every single year that get away scot-free. Yep. And I think that, uh, that alone would help cover so much of what we're lacking in the state because there's not a lot, of, you know, outside of that, there's general construction. You've got, you know, the rest of the pie is split thin across the board. Like there's, like you said, there, we pretty much have three. And the problem with that is it gets, you know, in a way monopolized. Like we see that with, on the small scale, with charter fishing. With halibut, halibut quota, it's a internationally governed asset because... Canada is involved with this. Mm-hmm. We see, you know, halibut are a Pacific Pacific Ocean fish, cold, deep water fish. Canada uses that resource. Alaska uses that resource as well as 
Oregon, uh, Washington, and California. But there's six representatives on that international board, five of which come from the commercial fishing industry, one representative from the charter industry. And the charter fishery has seen their quota absolutely haggard and mangled over the last 10 years, which we got more restrictions this year, not even including the restrictions we're seeing from king salmon closures and such. And there's just, there's no voice to be heard. And I feel like that's where your major issues with any of this big restructuring of the tax code is going to be an issue because there's so much money wrapped up specifically in the oil industry where if you threaten to tax them, you know, Exxon, uh, BP, all of your major oil entities that are present on the North Slope can just quit drilling if they want. They'll take take it overseas. They'll start drilling in Argentina. They'll start drill. You know, they've got other options. And I feel like this is this is where my personal beliefs one hundred percent get all torn up because I'm a very, you know, there's a reason we live in Alaska. We like, yep. we like freedom. We like to not deal with other people's bullshit. And we don't like the government telling us what to do. Uh, not saying that there's not places for it. And this is one of those places where from like the business, my business mindset and my, you know, I want every individual to succeed in life. I think there needs to be, you know, the federal government needs to come in and set, a certain, especially in any of these big monopolized industry, oil, um, I think even tech now, um, as well as any any of your critical infrastructure stuff in our daily life now. Electrical companies have a lot of, you know, a lot of power, especially places like here where it's one, you know, you got one choice. And I uh, don't have to tell you the definition of a monopoly, but it's, mm. <laughs> let me let me give you a hint, it's fucking one choice. Yeah. Um, and I think there needs to be some, you know, overarching policy that can address that, that in times where, you know, you're kind of, if your government's being, you know, kind of blackballed by the industry itself that keeps the lights on, you have to come in and set some type of regulation. Um, but that's where I get real fucking iffy because I don't trust anybody in Washington to do that correctly. No way. Um, and Feds should not be in charge of... Alaska. Yeah. Alaskans problems. My only caveat to that playing devil's advocate would be, you know, all this oil pumped off the North slope gets sent out of Alaska has to be refined elsewhere. And the majority of the benefit of that oil is going to the rest of the United States. Mm -hmm. It means we're not importing as much. It means we're able to export oil. I mean, you know, there's a lot of benefits to it, but we don't like, we see, Normal gas prices. It's not like we get fucking a dollar a gallon gas because we produce all the fucking oil because we don't have any refineries. We send that shit down to Texas, have them deal with it, and then they do what they please with it, uh, basically. And so, like, especially with, like, this Willow Project, this is a great example because it's federal land. They're opening it up to drilling. If there's no, like, if we allow tax loopholes to let them basically exploit not only an Alaska resource, but also, you know, a resource of the federal government because it's coming off of fed land and they're not paying appropriate taxes. They would argue otherwise. I'm sure they pay plenty of taxes, but when you break down the numbers, numbers don't lie. When the percentage of the revenue 
is so minuscule that they're paying in taxes. I'm sorry, there needs to be more taxes. You can't just pass that on to every individual in the state, in the country to pick up, you know, pick up the back end of that on making 40,000 a year, making 50, 60, 20, thousand dollars a year and now you're taxed more or your only options to vote on are which tax do you want when we have these corporate you know entities that are you know basically fucking just taking that shit to the bank you know well you talk about uh, we're gonna get into this pfd income tax that's their that's their big what if you're no longer going to have PFD, which we haven't had a full PFD in who knows how long. Basically six, seven years once they restructured the yeah. general fund and the PFD fund. And so a PFD, the largest tax on lower to middle income people is PFD. Whether we like it or not, it's totally a tax. Oh, if you're, to put numbers out there for individuals, like last year we got, what, $3,200, something in that ballpark range, which is a very high PFD historically. You're giving about a thousand thousand bucks a year. Mm. Way things play out, whatever, like three thousand dollars a year. I'd say the average personal income in the state of Alaska is probably between thirty five thousand and sixty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Let's cut it in the middle. Let's just make math easy. Forty thousand dollars. Post tax, you're bringing home thirty two if you're lucky. We'll make it easy math again. Thirty thousand. You're paying twenty five in taxes for whatever the fuck. And then you lose that PFD, that's a 10% tax on every person that falls in that demographic, which is a lot of people. Yeah. And that's if you're only collecting a single check. That's if not even a full PFD. If you're, yeah, if you're a single mom with four kids, that's you get five checks. You get a check for every individual. And I'm not saying that it's financially responsible to spend your child's PFD, but... Uh, but if you need to keep the lights on, you need bills paid. You have to fill the oil tank. Exactly. All of a sudden, you're getting $15,000 because of the resources that Alaska has given you. And you're a citizen of Alaska. You know, you're a resident of Alaska. You live here. This is your home state. You're here year round. You're entitled to that money. And if you take $15,000 away from a single mom, that's the difference between homelessness and not in a lot of cases. Like, that's you know, exactly a lot of people use it for studded tires, filling the fuel tank before winter, paying for firewood, you know, better windows, make their house more fuel efficient. Exactly. All kinds of stuff. You know, people always want to be, oh, well, they're just they'll use that money to buy a new snow machine. You know, you give you give a poor person a check and they're just going to blow it away. They don't know what they're doing. And I'm a firm believer of nobody's more competent than you. There's some fucking window lookers out there. Like, for sure. There's. There's some hot breath being flown around. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, not denying that. But if I have the option of fifteen hundred dollars in my pocket or fifteen hundred dollars in the government's pocket, I want it in my pocket every day of the week. Uh, prime example: uh, we just got a nice new shiny uh, whiteboard in our office at work that probably cost fifteen hundred dollars. Was it necessary? Mm, not really. Um, but it's nice to have. We'll, you know, we'll gladly take it. We'll use it. It'll help our daily life. But that's a PFD check for somebody. And that's just whiteboard for us. Like that's a difference between somebody stressing through the winter because they can't put, they can't afford to buy studded tires for their car. And now they have to 
run, you know, run the risk of driving their summer tires all winter and potentially total in their car, whatever, you know, worried about taking your kids to and from the store to, to get your fuel tank filled 1400 bucks. Yep. And it's, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm a firm, like I'm on your side with the, you know, fuck taxes, you know, let, you know, there's necessary, it's a necessary evil, but let's keep it minuscule. Mm-hmm. But they're just like, I, I feel like it just, you know, I, everybody hates the, you know, trickle, trickle down economic theory. Everybody hates it. But I think if we implemented that in the reverse faction and started taxing from the top down, you'd all, you'd see a lot of deficits change and you'd see a lot of speculative spending slow down. You'd see, you know, we're going through a banking crisis right now where it seems like every week a new major lender in the world is going bankrupt. And all of that is due to speculative asset investment. And if you don't think oil companies are doing that, you don't think major fishing industries doing that. Like that's what you do when you have surplus money, you invest it into things and when you have exuberant amount of money and if you lose $50 million and it's, yeah, it fucking sucks, but you're going to be fine. Guess what? All of a sudden throwing $50 million into fucking to the moon coin. It's like, well, if we can turn $50 million into $3 trillion, that'd be pretty slick. Well, and, and then you fucking get the rug pulled and you're hosed. That's another thing about the 401k is 2008's great example. It took how long? Five, five to ten years? For that to come back to where it was. And so say you wanted to retire 2007, 2008 happens. To get back to that same amount that you were at, it's going to take five to ten years to get back to the same amount you were going to retire with that you just lost, gone. And in a situation like that, you're not in control of that money, especially with a company 401k. You don't even have the rights to invest it in the things you want to invest in necessarily. And you get the rug pulled like that, you know, there's, there's a reason a lot of people killed themselves. There's a reason a lot of people became addicted to different substance, uh, sub, uh, substances, substances, um, because financial hardship is the number one stressor to all Americans. Like in, I shouldn't say all 99.9% of Americans if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that shit's stressful. You're one hot water heater away from going out. My monitor, my diesel heating monitor in my house is shit in the bucket right now. And it's a product that's no longer commercially made. So finding replacement parts for it's basically impossible. And so that's $2,500 that I have to go and buy a new heater for my house. Because if I don't, my house will be fucking 40 degrees for the rest of winter. You know, it's a non-negotiable. And for a lot of Americans, you don't have the money to do that. Like me personally, I don't have the funds to do that right now. I would have to do it all on credit, which just ex, you know exponentially increases the issue because now not only are you paying that back, you're paying that back at an interest rate, which is way above what you should. Yeah. And all of a sudden your $2,500 expense is probably a $4,200 expense by the time it's paid down and you're constantly playing catch up. You can never get ahead and it just creates a giant financial hardship and a generational one because you know, if you've got kids, like I said, if you're a single mom, something like that happens. First things that go 
sorry, little Jimmy. I can't, you know, we can't afford baseball camp this summer. We can't afford a baseball mitt for you to go play on the public team. Like, you know, shit like that starts going down. Then quality of life, you know, quickly follows because you're having to make cuts. And then, you know, all it takes is, you know, now you twisted your ankle at work and you don't have good health care. You can't work for three months. You lose your job. And now you're just fucked. That makes me so sad to even listen to. <laughs> right? It's true, though. It's true. That's and why last year our PFD would have been something like five grand or something like that. But they whacked it in half and gave us a, what do they call it? For fifteen, they gave us fifteen hundred bucks. Oh, like the advance? They did the two payment. On yeah, it. yeah, early payment, a late payment. Yeah, but it was gonna be five grand because oil was at the highest it's ever been, all time highs. It was gonna be five grand. That's a lot of freaking money. Yeah. So you have four kids, dude. That's a stupid. That's a amount whole other salary. That's a stupid amount of money. To someone who makes two hundred thousand dollars a year here in the state of Alaska with no income tax, that's dropping the bucket. Yeah, it's no big deal, and it's the low-hanging fruit. It's the easiest thing because for those that it doesn't impact, it's like, oh, well, you know, that was just that was just extra Christmas money. You know, that's just extra, you know, it's, it's nice to have. Nobody's going to say no to free money, but that's going to be the first thing that goes. And personally, I think it's the worst thing to go because it is intrinsically wrapped into a boom and bust industry. We're looking at a... 10-year future of low oil returns, which means, yeah, you took the PFD, you're going to use that to pay for whatever now, but that amount isn't set. It's going to slowly diminish, especially if you're looking at low returns in the future and all of the PFD money. So another brief lesson for anybody who hasn't heard this, we've explained it a ton on here before, but basically they take taxes from the oil industry they put it into a permanent fund account. That money is then invested, and the returns from those investments are what is allocated to the people of Alaska. And in this case, if it goes towards, you know, say they completely wipe off the PFD, that is solely for taxes now. Not only are you banking on oil prices staying strong to generate the initial revenue, you're banking on your investments staying strong and growing to come up with the tax money because the only money that's taken out of that account right now is the returns from the investments written into law. You're not allowed to touch any of the other shit, which that'll change. They've already, you know, originally only, you know, that money couldn't be used for anything other than the people of Alaska six, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was, they changed that because they needed money for the general fund. And guess what? They need money for the general fund again. So they're going to come for it again, but it's the least stable form of tax revenue you could possibly have. You're relying on two independent variables that are easily manipulated through market conditions, fed conditions, international conditions. So what, you know, what's to say you do that and then 10 years you know, we're looking at a potential fucking massive recession. You know, that means stock market through the floor. That means oil prices through the floor. It means, you know, all around low returns. And now what you could cover, you can't cover. And tax spending only goes up every year to where all of a sudden they're going to take the PFD and then they're going to have to take something else. They're going to have to do an income tax. They're going to have to do it's a take, sales take, t- take, take, take. And that's my biggest issue with taxes in the first place 
is if you install an income tax, they're not going to make it less. They're not going to rein it in. Your income tax is only going to become more and more and more and more the more they need more money. You give us a full PFD, it helps offset that. Yeah. Like in that case, I'd much rather them go back, rewrite the fucking state constitution again, and all PFD money, people's money. Whether or not they, you know, sure, they throw an amendment in there to where they might have to lessen the PFD to roll it back into the account to bolster future returns, whatever, sure, our money, not tax money. And then in state, God forbid, but a state income tax, I'd rather have that than start from the lowest hanging fruit and just continue to pick off that tree. Because just take the fucking biggest, plumpest peach and take that for 10 years. Figure out your shit on your end. Figure out, you know, shitty spending habits, all that on the state side. Start cutting back in areas that you can and make that work. Then starting with the PFD, realizing that's not enough. Then doing a state sales tax. That's not enough. And then by the end of it, having all three of those gone and then still probably not covering what needs to be covered when you could have just started from the top, you know, help the bolster the little people as much as you can in the process and then deal with the problems as they come. Because I just see a lot of short term issues with starting from the bottom, working up um, and at least some long term, you know, stability if you do take the biggest chunk out of the pie at the beginning. But I think it's just one of those, if they do move forward with it, we're going to be looking at big state changes regardless. I just hope with those changes come better regulation and better corporate um, restructuring of what they're paying into. Because if the individual residents of Alaska get left holding the bag for this, there's going to be a lot of fucking upset people. For sure. 100%. 100%. And there's going to be a lot of upset people regardless. We're not getting away from that. Like, But I think that's going to be the easiest road to travel is if they restructure the way they're selling this to the people, put a lot more understanding of what's actually going to be the benefit to this if it goes through. And being – they need to – I just hate it when it's just – this is what they're going to do. Nobody fucking knows what they're going to do. They need to come out and tell us what their action plan of like, I wish politics worked plan first. This is the result. They always give you what the result's going to be and then try and figure it out as they go. And that's why no budgets ever, you know, upheld. That's why no timeframes ever upheld. Like let us know how you're going to do it and then do it. Before you just tell us, all right, we're going to give you benefits. Life's going to be great. We're not going to tax you. Nothing's going to change. We're going to restructure this, that, and the other. Things are going to be happy, Dory. You pass it, and all of a sudden, next cycle, we've got income tax. And yep. everybody's like, what the fuck? If I would have known that, I would have voted differently on that. Because like, if that was my option right now, if it was state income tax for the rest of my life, but I get a pension, I'd probably still vote against it personally. Yep. Just because. I would too. There's, I, I'm, you know, we're both young. We both, you know, for right now, plan on being in Alaska for a long fucking time. And if we're, you know, a state income tax, we're paying that shit every year. And, you know, who, who knows? We could only be at the, our current 
you know, job in this current career for five, seven years and another door opens, you know, you can't turn down, you know, life opportunities for, you know, just one little thing. But if you're put in that situation, you almost have to. Like if I think I think we're looking at as a whole, we're looking at this all wrong. It's not a pension issue. It's a restructuring issue. It's not full PFDs, no income tax. Yes, you have a sales tax. There should be a sales tax in places like big cities that do use infrastructure to help support the city, blah, blah, blah. That's a thing, for sure. But I think we're looking at it all wrong. They're saying that the pension is going to cause us to have an income tax. They've been talking about an income tax for a long time. It's This is not the issue. Part of the issue is not the no full PFD and then possibly an income tax. Because they've been talking about an income tax for the last three years. They're just Wait. trying to push this against the pension and things like that. I would too. If I was fighting against it, hell yeah, that's what I would yeah, do. You're going to throw everything you got in your fucking Absolutely. Okay. Do I think that's the issue? Not even kind of. I think we're looking at it too shallow. We're not looking past what's happening. They've been fighting this whole income tax PFD crap for years, years and years already. That's the issue, and I don't think pension is the issue. Yeah. No, I think, and that just opens up just a whole different conundrum because this this is my personal opinions on all federal politics, all state-level politics. Where we're at in life, in the world, as a human society right now, there's been, uh, and I should say, for the western part of the world, there's plenty of places around the world that aren't where we're at. And, you know, hope they get there. You know, that's, I can't personally, personally, you know, change that. So I'm sorry if you don't have these opportunities, but I'm talking to all you New Zealander folks out there. I'm just kidding. I have no clue about Chell's national politics or anything like that. Don't care. (laughs) Sorry, don't care. No (laughs) Come visit and teach us. I know we got y'all listening out there. So uh, shout out to the Aussies. Um, I think if that offends the people from New Zealand, you're to me you're just Australia, but kind of cooler. So Zealanders, yeah, exactly. Zoolanders, as uh, Ralph would put it, spear chuckers. Uh, Uh, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) I'm just just kidding. But if y'all kill a tar with a spear, that shit would be dope. I mean, legit. I want to spear a black bear, dude. I think that'd be cool, (laughs) dude. Hell yeah. Seen the videos. I can do it. (laughs) That's our goal for this spring. Spear black I think bear. we're behind the curve. <laughs> we're way behind the curve. Um, but. but what I was going to say is we look at everything surface level and what things were from the 60s, from the 70s, from yep. the 80s, from the 90s. There's so much, whether it's, you know, antitrust law, whether it's the understanding of what modern monopolies are, what you know, what it means to grow a nation at this point. You know, we've got such amazing infrastructure backing this nation. That's what this, you know, what built this country. But now all of our interests are in whether it's, you know, international affairs, tech. We just get caught up on all these, you know, first thing in front of us issues. Not looking beyond the end of your nose. 
Exactly. And there needs to be, I, I mean, I believe this from a political landscape, from a fundamental landscape, there just needs to be a complete restructuring of the way we, one, see the world and how we interact within it. Because the way we were able to solve problems 30 years ago, shit, 15 years ago, way different than now. Like, for example, we can do this and reach an audience and inform people on whatever the fuck it may be where 15 years ago, you couldn't do that unless you were on television or radio or in a column position in a newspaper or Mm -hmm. magazine. Like the distribution of information is so much more the understanding of national issues, state issues, local issues, are so much more heightened now and there needs to be and everything needs to be looked at with an exponentially larger amount of nuance. Like you can't just, we'll do this. It fix this. You need to be able to understand, recognize and parcel out. All right. If we do this, here's the downstream effects of this. It'll interact with this in this way. There needs to, you know, all right, maybe, having two monopolized political parties that hate each other and can't accomplish anything when one of the others in the same room as another, maybe we need to look at the way our political system set up. Maybe we need to look at the way local government is set up. Should six random individuals from, you know, your local town be in charge of all the critical decision-making that's wrapped up in your town? Should there be more public opinion? Should there be more, you know, open conversation around this stuff? Should there be more education in, you know, the way these systems work? Like that's always been my issue with public education. It's here's your biology. Here's your algebra. Here's how you write a coherent sentence. Good luck. Most of that, isn't applicable in daily life now. Like a lot of it is, but understanding personal finance, understanding how, you know, advancements in political policy work, the, you know, just true, hard, tangible skills that you're going to use for the rest of your life that are going to inform your decisions for the rest of your life that are going to inform, you know, the discussions you have with your neighbor, with your buddy, with your, you know, significant other, that are just going to open up more room for nuanced debate when it comes to important topics. Like something like this, you shouldn't, the only information you get about, you know, defined benefits shouldn't come from a 30 to 60 second snippet that you hear on the local radio that are just going to throw a couple, you know, headline punched up, you know, selling points to you because that doesn't give you the information you need. Like the fact that somebody could listen to this and get more information than they can from a whole week of just publicly distributed uh, news or comments on this is ridiculous. Neither of us have a profound background in this. Like, like we, this is just personal thought, personal research personal discussion and i like to think that someone could listen to this and get more information out of you know an ad on ad on the radio that's my same issue with 
you know, political campaigns. Everything's just a smear campaign. It's just talk shit about the other person more than they talk shit about you. You'll win. It's not, here's what our plan is. Here's how we're going to better your life. Here's how we're going to succeed. That's what we've been hearing it on the radio, especially when it comes to defined benefits is you hear not, you know, we listen to, well, I do on the way to work, listen to the radio. And it's like defined benefits, no more PFD income tax. Vote no. So you're just like, that's all you get. Yeah. That's it. There's and no, it's hard. I mean, they've got Michael Dukes here on the peninsula and that's it in the morning on the radio. And I hear maybe a quarter of it because I'm on my way to work. That's it. Yeah. That's all you get. And it's just, oh man, I could, it could fucking talk about this for like five hours because it's just, you know, so much of it comes down to the way we discern information and distribute information and how individuals now, especially in the landscape, we've just gone through uh, a bunch of, you know, the last, what, basically 10 years of Trump being relevant, you know, the word or catchphrase, you know, fake news gets thrown around a lot and people can't discern, you know, what legitimate information or more not, I always hate that, you know, like fake news, this, that, most information comes from some form of a source that's credible. How that information is then told to the everyday individual who needs to act upon it, completely fucked up, twisted up, spun up, punched down, punched up. However it may be, you see it from the left, you see it from the right, you see it from the independents, you see it from the green party, you see it from everybody. Everybody's trying to win and everybody's going to lie to you. And you can't have honest discussion or debate on this when every person has a built-in bias because their informed news source is giving them bullshit information that's riddled with independent biases. Ugh. To me, I feel. Right. Fuck me. <laughs> it's definitely a, it's a touchy subject. It is. And I just... I just want to have... Ultimate white privilege, not have to worry about politics <laughs> or anything. Or fucking, I just want to arrest you, my, my friends. friends. Right. I'm a goddamn white male in this country. I shouldn't have to worry about anything. That's what everybody tells me. Yeah. Well, but I here I am trying to have fun, and now I'm all wound up and irritated. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, I don't think it matters what color the fuck you are. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. But I think. We're on the right track. I think we're going to, how do you put this nicely? Our generation, win, lose, or draw, will do great things for this country. Millennials, <laughs> I see what you guys be putting out. <laughs> you know how many millennials I've met that are uh, water treatment operators? Mm. Like one. <laughs> Well, too, I'm a cuss baby, so. Uh, you don't count. <laughs> oh, you know, let's on. be real life. Come on. I'm talking like a 30-year-old. <laughs> yeah. I've only met like two, three, maybe. I've met more 20-year-olds, which is amazing, in water and sewer than I have 30-year-olds. Yeah. No, I think you got to stay optimistic. I think our generation and the generation before us are going to do going to do great things, but I think less so that it's going to be great acts that are done but i think our generation is going to see the most critical and extreme changes to what this world is reform whether it be through reform 
natural discovery of what this whole fucking game we play is. Um, and hopefully not the third, but a fucking catastrophic, catastrophic decline of something, somewhere, or... We're in the asteroid belt. Yeah, I did want to say cataclysm, but there's fucking chance. Let me tell you, it's going to take number three to have number one and two happen. (laughs) Unfortunately. I'm hoping it's the the realization and recognition of number three that'll Mm. change one and two. But I think in the next 80 years, this world, and especially what we know as, like, the Western advanced world so all your major you know major economic players all that we're gonna see for better or for worse some extreme changes and i think it can long term only be for the benefit but there's gonna be some excruciating pain that comes with that transition period and i hope it goes over smoothly i hope there's not crazy you know riots in the streets burning the world down type of shit that comes from it but i think that's what the end of this tunnel is in world news france did you see what's happening in france they're having massive riots lighting streets on fire that's over if if i'm thinking of the same it's thing the it's same over their thing. yeah their benefits being hacked yep by 2% or something like that they reduced their uh, pension and benefits by 2% and they're lighting the streets on fire it doesn't take much. Like It we doesn't talking, take much. You get one earthquake up here, shuts down the water to the town for a week, you'll see a lot of fucking hoopla. Like, yeah. And that's just natural disaster. We're you know, not talking about personal negligence that fucks shit up. They didn't pass any... They skipped over democracy completely, reduced pension by 2%, and there's riots in the streets. Like, there's videos of... It looks like just anarchy. Well, that's the thing. When you create... A game, which that's everything that we do in a daily life, all of our, you know, financial law, all of it, all of it's a game. And when everybody's playing the game at a level that they think is fair, you come in, these are the rules of the game, and you play them. And then an outsourced entity, usually the fucking government, goes, hey, we're going to change the rules. You don't have a choice. People get outraged because they just spent their whole life playing by the rules, playing the set rules that you set to try and benefit themselves because everybody on this earth is trying to benefit themselves. There's some amazing people out there that spend their life dedicated to others, but in the end, you are trying to do the best for yourself to stay healthy, to provide for your family, whatever that is. You're going to do whatever you can to advance that. And then when, you know, God or whoever the fucking, you know, super entity on top is undercuts you with no, you know, you have no choice. You have no ability to say, oh, you know, otherwise you only have one option and that's to voice your opinion on it. And We've lived, I mean, through the defund the police and the George Floyd riots and all of that stuff. You see, it, you know, it doesn't take, you know, a crazy act, although there was crazy acts during this time. A small thing can uproot an entire civilization. Like it doesn't, you know, entire communities were in the streets writing, you know, voicing their opinion, which hell yeah. Firm believer on that. 
If you got to burn some shit down to get your voice heard, they probably should have heard you before you started burning shit. And if they didn't do that, yeah, that's on them. You should have gone to their neighborhoods, burned their shit down. (laughs) Exactly. You can find where Nancy Pelosi lives. Um, That bitch ain't paying taxes. Not her fair share, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, But, no, I I truly think our generation is going to see some crazy crazy advancements some crazy crazy declines in industry and i think overall it's gonna be for the better but like i said that that transition period is gonna be brutal it's gonna take hell before anything turns over it always does no well i mean i mean that's how america got here it's gonna gonna take hell took some fucking tax my tea i'll burn your shit to the ground (laughs) yeah Yeah. And, you know. Every war, man. Everything's cyclical, you know. We want to think the USA is going to be the God fucking power for the rest of eternity. We are seeing it before us, brother. Yep. And, you know, things are going to happen. I don't want to be doom and gloom. I think everything's going to be bright on the other side, but there's going to be some fucking fist fights in between. And it's going to be ugly at times. Yeah. Pension will be tight. Yeah. No, I'll take a fucking better retirement. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Justify a, a boat purchase a little easier. Um, uh, an anything purchase. <laughs> like maybe I could buy a house someday. Right. Yeah, fuck. I mean, oh, man. Solved at least one world problem a day. Yeah. Uh, let's try now. Anything on the on the bright side? We yeah, can I got bring some of these dope fucking, knives. Hell yeah, let's fucking. We'll end this out with you guys uh, talking about some gear and some uh, some blades and shit yeah. because uh, you know we're not all doom and gloom here. Sometimes yeah, we gotta I, I, we gotta cover some worldly issues. But know, this spring, I'd like to use these knives. Uh, <laughs> right. Anyway, I believe these are all Alaskan made knives. That one is the Alaska Alaska Knife Company. I believe. And Knives of Alaska. Knives of Alaska. Yukon belt knife. Yeah, that thing is wicked badass. Comes with a leather sheath. And it's kind of uh, like a cross between a Skinner and I wouldn't even consider it a buck knife. Not even kind of. It's definitely a Skinner. Yeah. It's not like your traditional. Yeah, it's built almost like a, a utility knife in length and just... The overall, like, half of it, mm-hmm. a little, like, kind of a one knife to do it all. The curvature of the blade, definitely. It's more acutely tuned for, mm-hmm. like, skinning, fleshing, proceed, or what's that word? I used all I used all my good big words up earlier. My brain uh, hurts. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh. It's a no, great that's hunter's a, knife. That's, yeah. No, that's a slick, slick knife. And like you said, that is from the Alaska Knife Company, Knives mm-hmm. of Alaska. Made here in Alaska. Yukon belt knife, baby. They stay wicked sharp. Leather made in the USA, baby. Keep that shit in shores. USA! USA! USA. That shit's Um, coming to the ground. Wicked cool. (laughs) Wicked cool knife. Uh, Stays sharp. Love the shape of it. They also have like six, seven different designs of knives. They also make flay knives and things like that. Do you know where they're based out of here in Alaska? I believe, I want to say, Wasilla or something like that. Up in the valley. That's kind of what I figured. I believe so. No, I like that, though. It's got the high-vis... Hunter's orange handle. Yep. And, it, like, I've got fat hands. Plenty of fucking space on the handle. I like the knurling they put for your thumb. Yeah, behind and the blade. It's uh, Most of them, you know, what I hate about a lot of knives, they just keep the shank on the back flat. They put knurling on there for your thumb. But it just, you don't get a natural don't fit. fit. This, you can get some freaking what do you inf get? behind your Put your index thumb, finger on it. Fits in there. It work in the knuckles a little better. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I like that design. Is that the one uh, uh, Samantha's dad gave you? No, or? that is this one. Her uncle Tony gave her that one. That's Samantha's knife. Nice. Nice Wicked knife, cool. Samantha. Yeah. This one is also made here in Alaska. It is partners with the Alaska Knife Company and Diamond Knives, I believe. This one is the Friction Forged Edge. This is the Summit. Yep, Pro Series Summit by Diamond Blades. Diamond Blades. And it is also an Alaska-made knife, I believe. Or it's made with, or co-partners with Alaska Knife Company, or Alaska Forge Knives, or whatever it is. And um, the Friction Forge Company. It's a wicked sharp edge. You're going to fucking cut yourself, let me tell you. <laughs> I have. <laughs> no, I was just... testing the blade there and wicked sharp not dull (laughs) they i don't know if they make it quite in the yukon style yeah which i do love the shape of this knife Mm -hmm. this is more of a utility knife ish definitely traditional blade design yes yeah kind of like your classic buck looks like a buck knife i like the handle on it this like we were just comparing knurling on the flat back end nice knurling it's got good knurling but it's just, I like that ergonomic feel of that For blade. Sure. But you can just, I mean, just looking at the edge compared to that blade, you know, significantly different design. It looks like it's got a sharper uh, it does. It's degree at edge. 18 degrees, I believe, and your standard's 13, and your rough is 20. I think you rough down to 20 degrees or something like that, then you cut it down to 13, I believe, after that. This is an 18-degree edge. Wicked fucking sharp. And with the Friction Forge technology, the way they treat their blades, it stays extremely sharp. I mean, extremely sharp. I want to pick up one of their uh, medium-sized fillet knives that they make with the same technology. You can look at the edge of the blade, and you can see where the softer steel is in the backside. Mm -hmm. And when you move out towards the edge of the blade, you can see where the Friction Forge is that it kind of has that different shine on the metal all the yeah. way down through the handle. Wicked fucking sharp. Uh, have you had to retouch that blade yourself? Not once. Gotcha. I'd be curious to know, because like my Evan Sabita custom I have, mm-hmm. they use a, I forget the, all the, all the blade nerds out there are going to be freaking turning in their graves. But, for uh, sure. They use a super high strength uh, uh, metal for it which holds an extremely strong, sharp edge, but is a pain in the fucking ass to touch up yourself. Because uh, I've had that blade for a couple years now, and, you know, it's at the point where you got to touch it up. Um, I believe he offers, if you send it in, I'm pretty sure he'll hone it himself, free of charge, whatnot, benefit of working with a small boutique custom knife dealer. Um, but I'd be curious to see just how hard it is to get that edge back on it once it dulls out, just because that's usually a trait of those super strong mm-hmm. uh, steels like that. But, I mean, I've been able to touch up mine, and it's, you know, still sharp as ever, and it's touched over 40 animals. Yep, and they, there's legends of the same thing. Guys go all season without even touching it once with stone. Yeah. And it stays just wicked sharp. And you could cut the hair off your arm. I gave it to... Matt, Mariah's boyfriend, yeah. he's like, oh, nice knife, and went to run it on his arm to see how sharp it was, and it whoosh, took the hair clean off first swipe. He's like, oh, yeah, puts it back in the sheath. He's like, that's really sharp. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I might hurt myself. Uh, yeah. Sharp. And it's just, it's fucking badass. I'll say that. And I, 
it turned me on to fixed blades. Yep. I'll say it. It's nice to have at least one. I keep my Evanson Beta, and then I keep my Havlon because it's mm-hmm. nice to have those, you know, Insta Sharp, <laughs> you know, blades. Yeah. But it's nice to have a good backbone to something like you said, turning knuckles, or you just, you know, it's nice to just have that security. I break a shit ton of Havlon blades because I'm a freaking monkey man and just don't know how to feather anything. I just make it work. But um, being an Alaska company. You send it in locally. Even if it's in the mail here, it's going to be in there within the week. Yeah. Local company, you can send it in, get it resharpened. I don't think it's that much. I think it's like maybe, I don't know, 15, 30 bucks, something like that. Wicked sharp. And it comes with a nice Kitex sheath with a little holster on the back, a little clippy job. If I can undo it, putzo. Yeah, it's a great just like everyday carry knife too. Like yeah. throw that on your, you know. Throw that on your belt loop, call it a day, super secure in that uh, Kydex, sharp, like you said, kind of utility knife design, use it for anything, open them letters, whatever. Love it. Killing people, who knows. The bone saw. (laughs) The bone saw. hate using a bone saw. Necessary up here. Necessary. This thing. Is that the one we used on Sam's Moose? It definitely is. Sturdy. Let me tell you. Real sturdy. I'm going to use your table. Yeah. Don't yell. That's all right. I thought you were going to test it by cutting. I was going to let you do that. <laughs> super simple, super nice wood handle. I think the wood handle could be, you know, you could put some kind of composite material instead of wood. Mm-hmm. It cleans up real nice, though. And it's got the little locker on it. That's handy. Super simple, super sturdy, super reliable. Real sharp. And I think it's, oh, I don't know how to say it, open all, something like that. And I had the wood handle swell up on it just a little bit around the knuckle. So yeah. it's kind of hard to open and close. That's the downside to wood up here. It's just going to swell a little bit. Yeah. No. Bone saw, huge to have. I hate carrying them because they're fucking big and bulky. Big as hell. But uh, if you're moose hunting, you almost have to have one. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd actually say you, if you don't have one, you might be fucking hosed a little bit. Um, but any of the big animals or just up here, uh, shit grows really fast. Uh, like alders. Um they're everywhere and get your wheeler stuck. <laughs> exactly. Just nice to have for cutting limbs, even me, you know, making campfire, uh, anything super handy. And this is, I mean, this thing weighs probably only, I'd guess 12 ounces, maybe super light, but I think they're made in France, Francis. France, Opinel, Opinel, something like that. Only place I know there, Chamonix. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Super simple, super helpful. I mean, we cut up moose, no problem with it. Oh, yeah, because once you get to those ribs, you got to freaking cut through them. Yeah. But I used a little cheese dick uh, I bought at the fucking Ulmer's here. With, like, the Coleman's. It's Coleman. Yeah. Whatever it is. Red and black. Super cheese dick. Don't use it to cut animals. (laughs) (laughs) I used it. Threw it in the weeds. <laughs> I littered. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was so mad. I just grabbed it. And just <laughs> fuck this piece of shit. And you hucked it in the weeds. <laughs> Anyways, super cool. Uh, then I, you know, I'm over reliable here. My swing blade. Love the swing blade. You could buy it anywhere. That's why I got everybody for Christmas this year. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I got everybody a swing blade. Uh, you know how it works. You've seen it. I use it all the time. Yeah. I, Red hook on one side, fixed blade on the other. I don't know if I'm going to retire it or not. 
I love the gut hook on it. Yeah. I love it. It's super helpful. Super helpful. You're not going to stab a gut bag, which I've been known to do once or <laughs> twice. It happens. <laughs> but, yeah, you've all seen it. Get yourself one. I've seen on TV. It's a good entry-level knife, you know. And then your Havilons, man. Everybody's got a Havilon. Yeah. And everybody should have one. Handy dandy. Yeah. Breaking. Only downside is breaking blades and getting rid of blades. But Yeah, stick them in the ground as far as they'll go. <laughs> I wrapped one up in a cardboard tube and taped it this morning. Nice. But, yeah, that's what I got, my guy. Fuck yeah. I think that's a good way to wrap this up. At yeah. least a little little less doom and gloom in your life. Yeah. But. See, if you didn't stay to the end, you would have never heard any of this. Exactly. So that's why you listen to the end. Thanks, shout out guys. to everybody that listened to the end. And shout out to everybody that's going to finish it in the car right tomorrow, wherever you're going. Um, or, I guess, actually, in a couple of days. Whatever. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> timelines um but anyways before we get out of here just want to touch on a couple things again uh first of all you know where to find us go find us instagram michael underscore Svoboda, sean underscore love and average underscore alaskan underscore podcast uh follow along on all those fun things springs getting ever so closer we're gonna be out and about doing some shit so uh you'll get some awesome content with all that um email us at average under or Average Alaskan Podcast at yahoo.com. Um, that's where you can email us. And just a couple house cleaning bullshits. Like we mentioned, we will still be trying to get those episodes every Thursday to you guys. We're shifting our recording schedule around to accommodate our schedules a little better and to allow more consistency in y'all's life. Uh, so y'all should be looking forward to that. Um, like I mentioned in our monologue, this episode obviously is a two-hour episode. We will be trying to keep that the standard for all of our interview episodes and any of our big episodes. We might be moving some episodes to an hour time frame just to improve the quality of the content for y'all. And so we can hopefully get more content out to you guys. Try and move from one episode to, you know, maybe one and a half a week uh, and eventually more and more. But uh, to do that, there's only so much you can talk about in the world and we don't want to just fill your ears with nonsense. So we may be tailoring some of those episodes back just a skosh for y'all. Uh, but don't worry, we will still have amazing content for y'all and some awesome long episodes as well because, you know, you can only flesh out and solve world problems with long conversation. And that's what we're here to do. Solve every world problem so y'all don't have to. Um, but I think that is it from me. Uh, Sean, anything you got to let the people know? Stay fresh. Stay salty. Stay out there. Oh, yeah. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.